Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea. Welcome to another edition of American Billiard Radio. It's January 16th, 2014. Before we get started, I want to let you know that uh, I got a doctor's note for Mike Howerton. He's feeling under the weather, so he's not going to be joining us uh, today. Uh, We hope to uh, see him get better and get back on the horse as soon as possible. So, uh, Mike, take your medicine, get some rest, and uh, we'll see you next week. And, you know, I also want to send a couple of shout-outs to uh, our fans. We've had some really nice emails sent to us uh, from around the world, and we want to let you guys know that we really appreciate the support. Uh, It means a lot. Uh, We try hard to uh, bring something good to the table. And, of course, it wouldn't mean anything if we didn't have listeners. So just letting you know that we appreciate it. And speaking of shout-outs, I would also like to send a shout-out to our friends at uh, GoPlaypool.com. These guys are going out of their way to uh, help us with a little goal of ours. We like to, uh, to think that we're supporting the industry as best as we can, at least in our own little way. And this includes everyone from the top to the bottom and at this point if we can help some of the room owners and hall owners out there stay open and do better business then by golly we're going to try to do it so we've teamed up with go play pool to spotlight some of the best halls and places to go play and let you have an opportunity to learn more about them and learn more about the owners and what they're all about And, of course, without the legwork and the phone calls, uh, this wouldn't be possible. So we want to thank them for helping us to do that. And uh, we want you guys to look at that segment not just as a commercial, but as a way of giving back and giving these guys uh, the attention and support that they need. Because for a lot of us, those are the places that we play, you know. Uh, If you don't have the room or the means to have a table at your house, uh, this is where the local halls are where we gather to play. This is where a lot of us learn to play. As a matter of fact, there's a great deal of us that our very first exposure to pool was in a bar or in a hall or in a place like that. And if, you know, they start dropping off, then we don't have places to go. So support your local hall owners and support go play pool and give them the attention and thanks that they deserve for helping us get the word out for some of these great places to play we really appreciate the support and i'm sure that they do too and now of course it's time to get on with the show uh this week we're talking to the billiard congress of america ceo rob johnson we've asked him a couple of questions about uh where they stand as the governing body for pool in North America. And Rob was gracious enough to spend some time answering questions as best as he could. And this is what he had to say. It seems like to us, it seems like probably to everybody, that the pool industry and professional pool is in kind of a slump right now. Um, Do you guys at the BCA see it that way? You know, it's a good question, David. We, we, you know, I came in, in 2006, and since that time, you know, the industry has, has certainly shrunk 
Um, the, you know, as we know, the entire industry and the entire economy has shrunk. So we have seen that take place um, on both the you know, what we call the retail side and manufacturing side and then on the room side. But we are seeing signs that, that we're at the bottom right now. And, you know, the word we get on both sides of the fence, the play side and, you know, with the rooms and with the, the retail side is that things are starting to look brighter as, as we speak. What would you say is, uh, well, I know it's a hard question to answer, but uh, sure. what do you suppose uh, is the biggest concern of the BCA at this point? Well, I think, you know, I don't put, if I'd say it's a concern, I think what we've seen is on the manufacturing retail side, you know, a lot of things happen at the same time mm-hmm. and during that period you were just talking about. You know, the economy slowed and the manufacturing, a lot of it switched over to China. You saw this huge electronics boom where everybody had to do something with an iPad or an iPod or an iThis or an iThat. Right. And you had the HDTV and you had Internet commerce. So, you know, all of these things happen at the same time. And then you look at the room side and, you know, all of a sudden this, the no smoking issue came out. Mm-hmm. And so that had a huge impact on the rooms. Yeah. And then they dealt with the economy and the problems with the economy. And, you know... We had rooms that had really high leases because during the good times, the shopping centers and the, and the folks could charge really high lease rates, and now in the tough times they're paying these huge rates. And so, you know, you see it across all industries on the play side. Yeah. Um, just the, the TV side of it, you know, now you have a, a group like ESPN saying all your programming has to be in HD. Yeah. And so, you know, you look at the multiples of, of price and how high that's going to go. And so all of these factors happen at the same time. And, you know, there's a lot of people that will say, you know, you know, the economy was, was slowing and this is why things are bad. And then other people say, well, it's because of electronics and other people. You know, the fact is, is, is everything happened at once. Yeah, and we're at the, we believe we're at the bottom now. Um, I still think you'll see, um, you know, some consolidation, and we and it may still continue to happen. But what you have now is you have some really strong companies that are that are out there that are, have survived this, right. and there will always be a, it'll always be a great game. People will always want to buy you know tables for their house, and they'll always want to go to places to play. But yeah. it is a new world, you know, yeah. with the the advent of, of all these new electronics and, and um, everything that's going on, um, there's, there's, you know, I, I relate it to some people. It's, it's like the TV channels. When I was a kid, I had, you know, three yeah. channels to choose from. Exactly. And now you've got 300, you know. Yeah. It's the same thing. It really is. You know, and, and, and we're seeing that. Um, but, but, you know, I still believe in the game and, and the folks that are in the industry now still believe in the game. And do we think it'll continue to, will it turn around and grow? Yeah, it will. Yeah. You know, will it get to the, you know, levels that, that it has, it used to be and, you know, will our trade show be back at where it was? I, I don't know. I mean, we're not, you know, we, we're not looking at, at saying, geez, you know, our show is going to be back to the 2006 days any time soon. Um, I think we're very realistic about that. And I think most of, of the members of the BCA, the business people are realistic that, you know, slow growth at this point would be great. Yeah, yeah. Slow, careful growth, at least at that point. Hopefully uh, sure. uh, some people have, uh, well, the businesses that have survived are, are all that much the better for it. And 
I have told people this before, um, and <laughs> I get mixed reactions, but the truth is, uh, for every business that goes under, um, there is another one, you know, enthusiastically waiting in the wings, really. In America, we've got the people uh, and the workforce and the materials, so uh, it, it's not all bad, you know. Sometimes things need to be uh, uh, torn down to be rebuilt stronger, so uh, I think that's... You know what, it's, it's you know, like... You know, I say the same thing to people. You know, you're either stealing a piece of the pie, but the pie is also growing. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and this this type of environment has forced the companies that are in business to take a hard look at how they do business. Right. And that is right. everything from staffing levels to, you know, inventory they carry, you know, everything, just like you're saying. And, uh, you know, the companies are better for it that are open now. There's yeah. no doubt. Yeah, yeah, this is very true. I understand uh, from what you said earlier that uh, BCA has shrunk the size of their board down a little bit too. You know, we we did the same thing as every other company in the industry. You know, we the education we put on it during our our expos and the information we put out um, during these tough times. A lot of the articles and a lot of the seminars were based on you know, taking a look at your business and finding where you can make change and and doing things smarter with less and we had to take our own advice and so we have we have shrunk down as a staff we've shrunk down as a board Mm -hmm. and we've had to make some really difficult decisions at the exact same time that all of our members are making difficult decisions so yeah we've we've gone from 16 board members to nine board members over the past three years yeah yeah this is true it's uh tough decisions is is uh that's a light way to put it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If um, if you could comment on uh, where is the BCA, uh, BCA headed in the future? You know, the BCA is to continue to, to follow our mission, which is to enhance the success of our members and promote the game. I mean, that's really, you know, we come in every day looking at, you know, how can we make our members more successful and how can we promote the game and so we we have to do that now with smaller resources and a smaller staff and and so we you know like i I said a few minutes ago we we have tough decisions to make just like everybody else does and i think the last you know handful of years um there's been more education on on what the bca is and who we are and you know, maybe the image that we were a 200-person staff with, you know, millions and millions of dollars in the bank, <laughs> um, possibly that image that, that people had, you know, before the economy came down. I think we've we've been very transparent the last few years and have shared with, with the industry, you know, what we are about, what our initiatives are, um, you know, how big we are. And, and there's only so many things we can do. Yeah. And we, we've picked a handful of things, and we're trying to do them very well. Yeah, yeah. If um, if if uh, you had to choose, or let's not even say choose, if you had to put your finger on it, um, what would you say the number one problem? Uh, or is there a number one problem in in the pool industry, pool world, pool realm? Or is it just a multitude of things going wrong all at the same time? You know what? And I, I don't even use the word problem. I, I just think it's you know we are facing what so many companies and so many industries have faced, and that's just that the world has changed dramatically. 
in in these handful of years. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what this industry is facing is doing business in a different way. You know, and it's doing business. You know, pool rooms are, are learning how to do business without smoking, yeah. and retailers and manufacturers are having to learn how to do business with internet commerce. And they're having to learn to do business with people walking in with a smartphone in their hand and, and already have information with them. And, you know, yeah. our installers are having to learn how to, you know, upsell when they make an install. And retailers are having to make sure that when they do an install, they do a great install so that the customer has a great experience because, you know, face it, they, they have to keep their customers. And right. so, you know, it's, it's the problem will be it has been that that we have shrunk the opportunity here is that um companies that learn how to do business in a different way that we just talked about will survive and and we will grow as the economy starts to grow you know there's on the retail side that there's no you know secret that we're, we're tied to housing starts you know and if you see housing starts grow our table sales will grow right you know but at this point there are you know, at this point, there's a lot of tables on the market. There's a lot of use tables. And, you know, the supply will, will again, start to go up as, as you see people buying homes and finishing basements. Um, you'll, you'll start to see that grow. But, you know, again, I think we're, we're realistic that that growth, growth is going to be steady rather than dramatic. And I, and I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I'll have, I have to agree with you there. Um, the question has been raised about whether or not the BCA, uh, whether or not A, if you are the governing body, and B, if you guys even desire to be the governing body. So can you comment on that? You know what, I'd be happy to comment on that, and and I'm glad you asked the question. You know, the question comes up of, you know, what role does the BCA have in play, and do they support play, and do they support the players? And and the answer is yes, We, we are the governing body of pool in the United States and, and through Canada, North America. We, we have that role because of our um, alliance with the World Pool Billiard Association and we're the North American representative to the WPA. And, and as that, we take it very seriously. We sit, on, we sit on their board, we participate in their general assemblies, and we participate in rules issues, and we participate in you know tournament issues and... Uh, <laughs> And we invite players to play in international tournaments. Um, this last year, we funded four players to play in the in the World Games, and so we do believe in play. And and a lot of times, you know, people will say you don't do anything in play. And and yes, we had to make the tough decision a few years ago to not hold our national tournament, and it was it was absolutely a financial decision. And it was tied a lot to because we really wanted to either have it on TV or we didn't feel there was a huge value in the event. And so when when we were asked to go to HD and we were asked to double our production at the same time our revenue was going down significantly because of the industry, we had to make a tough decision to not do that. But what do we do in play? We still we run a Hall of Fame, um, which we certainly put a lot of time and money into we continue to maintain a rule book and records and you know we take the records very seriously and try to keep them updated and we'll come out with a rule book this next summer the um, wpa has a meeting in march where they'll review any rule book change considerations for any of the games and uh, we would make an update and we'll put out a new rule book we came out with a rules app um, 
last year that yeah, people can yeah. download. Um, we continue to maintain an instructor program, um, and we we there's questions about even the instructors that we get rid of our instructor program. What we did is we rebranded it to be called the Professional Billiard Instructors Association. And it's still our program and it's still under us and we still fund it. But what we wanted is, is we felt that they needed their own identity because it was such a great program that we felt that, that we could do more with it, having them have their own identity and their own website and their own name. Um, but we still, we, we run it. It's ours and, and, I look at that as, as certainly um, a commitment to play and a commitment to the game. And as you know, you know, a couple of years ago, we spent a couple of years where we did the U.S. Open escrow and, and spent, you know, many an hour working on that. So, you know, we do support play. We are the governing body of sport. We, we do believe in it. Um, it, it. It is, you know, I guess you'd say it's, it's uh, um disappointing right now to see the, the state of the pro game um, mm. but but that's a very you know difficult situation right now yeah. but there's no doubt that that the BCA believes in play uh, and supports play and, and wants to see you know the play side um, the pro side be successful and, and we want to see it to grow right now yeah yeah absolutely I think we all want to see it grow at this point um, let me take a real quick break and uh, yeah. after when we come back, um, we'll talk a little bit about um, the ranking system. Okay? You got it. All right. Be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and we're talking with Rob Johnson, CEO of the BCA, Billiard Congress of America. Um, Rob, there's a, with the Moscone Cup, uh, has sort of brought this subject to light as far as the events rankings and uh, how someone might be qualified uh, to not only to attend uh, the Moscone Cup, but for other ranking purposes as well. Um, how important do you think it is uh, to keep the events in place that are uh, that are giving us these rankings to begin with? Well, I think you know the way we do our uh, the BCA points is very you know we, again we've tried to be very transparent and have tried to put it on our website and put it on AZ Billiards and, and, and made it available to everybody. And you know there are guidelines that we have to become a BCA event and they're posted and and you know again very open to everybody um and and we love when people sanction under those guidelines because they're following a good standard and we know it's going to be a good tournament and so um you know we believe in the point system the issue that that we have um with with the international play is that we understand the challenge that players have right now of, of being able to play in tournaments around the world. And so, it, you know, you look at the points, and it's the points or the gains so that you can be invited to play in these tournaments. But these tournaments, you know, you know, it's difficult now. It's very expensive for the players to go over and play in these tournaments. Mm-hmm. And so you have players that have to weigh getting invited through our points system, but then, you know, where do they have to finish to make money, and what else can they do on that trip, and how much is it going to cost, and, and you know, it's it's difficult. It's very difficult, and um, 
again, it's it's play is good for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. the game in on TV and a strong game helps every part of the industry. We 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 absolutely believe in that, uh, and we absolutely want to help the game, and we want to help the play side grow. Uh, uh-huh. It's simply a matter of you know we can't fix it by ourselves, and there's no magic solution. We we want to help. Um, and, and we are helping, um, and we'll continue to help, but it's, it's not something we can do alone, and I don't think anybody can do it alone. Yeah, right. This is true. I, I was talking to, let's see, who was it? Ivan Lee. Um, this was a few months back, of course, but uh, I was speaking to him about uh, the relevance of uh, a player's association, and uh, I said, I had asked him pretty much outright, um, uh, is there something specifically that the BCA is doing for the players? And and I know there's a, that's a broad question, but what I mean is specifically um, in the context of a players' association, what is it that you guys can and can't do for the players if they choose to join up with you guys? Well, I, you know, it's a difficult question for me to answer. You know, it, it's... Um, and I don't know that I could answer, you know, quickly for you. It comes <laughs> down to, uh, you know, it, it's the state of the game. You yeah. know, do we believe? Would it be great to have uh, a players association under the BCA? And can we provide them value? On one hand, they say, yeah, absolutely. You know, bringing the players together and having them be members of the BCA and trying to advance the game, working in partnership with them. A lot of ways it makes a ton of sense. Can we put together a players association right now that can guarantee, you know, big tournaments and big prize funds and, and a lot of payouts? No, we can't. Right. And so, you know, if we were realistic about a players organization, and I'm sure that's what Ivan was talking about, if we looked at it realistically, which is a players organization where we work together to try to grow a game that's having a lot of a lot of issues right now. And it's challenged to put on tournaments that, that pay well and that, and that pay players and they can make more than they get and they're not looking at, geez, I have to finish in the top two to even make my money back. Right. You know, it, it, from a realistic standpoint, absolutely. You know, and that's something that, you know, Ivan is, is interested in and that, that we've talked about. Um, sure. Are we looking at it because we can put on major tournaments or because we want to, you know, do that? We're not in a position to do that right now. Right. You know, and I think it's it's been always the question of, you know, you know, our issue with the, the points and, and maintaining the points is that we believe we have the best interest of, of maintaining the points. We have a fair system with our point system. We don't have any, you know, political gain by it. We're not trying to get, gain anything through it. We don't have any business benefit by the points. Right. We simply want to maintain a fair system. And so, you know, we believe we're the right the right folks to do it, and and we continue to, to look at it. And, you know, but again, you know, it comes down to we're a small organization, and so we have to sit down and, and you know, there's no secret that our our big funder is our, is our expo. There's no secret about that right, at all. That's right. the big funder for the association. Mm-hmm. So do we have to put a lot of time towards that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, as we, as we hope as we grow and as the association gets stronger, what happens is, is we make a profit. We take that profit, we put it back into the industry. Mm-hmm. And so the ways we put it, can put it back into the industry is by putting on pro tournaments and, and all the different areas that supporting junior play, you know, all of those come in into a factor. And so, you know, it's, it's, 
it's a tough question to ask, um, and and I try to answer it to you as, as honestly as possible. That you know, a, a players' association in a non-political way of just trying to to work with the players to, to grow the game and, and deal with all the issues. Yeah, that's something you know, that we've talked about, and I think Ivan's on on base with that. Yeah, well, it sounded like uh, from what he had said that you guys were perfectly willing to ha- if if they were it, it, I mean not that that was the exact situation but he made it sound as if uh, you know hey if they want to talk about it then we can certainly talk about it um, without without a doubt there's no question about it and you know you, you we want what's best for the game we want what's best for the players and you know whether people believe that or not I, I don't lose a lot of sleep over that because I know the hours that we spend trying to promote the game and and, and you know, frankly work on the BCA so you know, absolutely. There's there's openness, and uh, we'll just have to see how things go. Yeah, um, you're right. We'll have to see how it goes, and we'll have to see uh, what develops. Um, let me ask absolutely. you one more question, uh, if you don't mind. Um, sure. The question's been raised about uh, professional standards as far as the player's behavior is concerned. You know, there's. Uh, uh, and I'm not going to single any one person or any single event out. This is a very broad statement, but there seems to be times, uh, and I I don't even think it's happening more often. I think that it's just people are becoming more aware of the impact that it has um, as far as uh, misconduct is concerned uh, on anybody's part. So do you think, um, and this can be in the BCA opinion or just in your own opinion, uh, how do you feel about conduct standards or codes um, that a, a particular promoters or events might want to enforce? Is that a good thing? Is it necessary? Is it a bad thing? You know, it, it's it's that is something I haven't put a lot of thought into as far as specifically, you know, what codes do you write into it or how do you make the rules or how do you enforce it? You know, do I believe that, you know, having players act foolishly or do foolish things hurts the game, absolutely. You know, I mean, does it tarnish the image? Absolutely. Would I give a specific, you know, example? No. You know, I'm, I'm like you. I think in, in the big picture, you know, we want professional pool to be successful and we want to help professional, we want professional pool to help promote the entire industry and help grow the game and, and grow the sport. You know, as far as getting down into the nitty-gritty of how you enforce it and, and what rules you put in place, that's not that's not something I've thought a lot about. Right, right. Well, and like I said, I think that in some cases it may be uh, up to the individual events or promoters or whoever is in charge to uh, choose and pick. Um, well, and I, you know, and I think, you know, I, I see it these games, you know, is that the different games, or I'm using the word games, and the different tournaments are held, you know, around the world, you know, in ones that have dress codes and you see the players that, you know, follow a dress code, I think it's fantastic when you see it on TV and the way that it plays out, whether you're watching online or on TV. And so, you know, I do think those things are good for the game. And so when promoters, you know, ask for that and and the players, you know, adhere to that, I think it's it's fantastic and it makes the game look great. Um, So I agree with you. Yeah. And... I will thank you, sir, so much for taking the time to talk to us. I, I do appreciate it, and I'm sure that uh, there's a lot of people out there that appreciate it uh, because you've probably cleared up a few um, answers that they would like to get. Um, well, I, 
you know what, I'll just say thank you for doing this, and I thank you for promoting the sport, because I know it's a labor of love, and this isn't something you're, <laughs> you're not getting rich on you doing it because you no. support the sport, so I will thank you for that, and I thank you for the opportunity to talk with you. Well, that's no problem. We uh, we do love the game, and we do uh, want to help, if, if not anything else, just uh, for the very simple act of better communication you know i I think that uh, the more people know the better so uh we'll do absolutely and anytime i can anytime you want to talk to me i'm happy to because i do i do think there is you know there's there will always be or there can be confusion about you know the bca and what do we stand for and what are we what are we doing and i'm always happy to talk about it and try to educate people and you know again we, we do we're trying to promote the game and help make our, our members more successful and, and we continue to try to be better at it and we know we can be better at it. And, uh, so anytime we can talk about it and, and talk about rumors or what, what have you, I'll be happy to talk to you. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much, sir. If, uh, people You're want welcome. to, if any, if anybody wants to find out more about the BCA, where should they go? You know what? They, our website is www.bca pool.com and uh, we have uh, on our website you can find everything from the way we promote promote the game and we do the the point system we talked about there's a link to our uh, instructor site and that is playbetterbilliards.com so you can either link off our main website or you can go directly to it and my email address is rob at bca-pool.com and anybody is is always welcome to email me and i'm happy to answer their questions Excellent, excellent. Thank you again, uh, Rob, for taking the time to talk you to us. It. And uh, the best of luck to you guys in the new year. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Take care, David. All right. Scott Lee, PBIA Master Instructor from Largo, Florida. And I'm Randy Gettlicker, PBIA Master Instructor from Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. So today's topic is? Today's topic is, again, another common myth conception of pool. What's, uh, what's one of the most common things out there, Randy, dealing with the backswing? Yeah, I see a, a lot of poor players, and, and one of the causes of, of their problems is a uh, fast backstroke. And, and we've never hit a cue ball going backwards, yet they always seem to want to take their cue stick backwards. So I think that the backstroke should be as quick as the planned forward stroke. Well, that would be a myth, all right? The truth of the whole thing is that the speed of the backstroke uh, should have no bearing on the speed of the forward stroke. Uh, we like to see in pool school a nice, smooth, backwards movement of the cue and then just get it ready to bring the cue stick forward. So our whole thing in pool is don't jerk your cue backwards. 
backs. Absolutely. We used to, for years and years and years, we've always said slow backswing because everybody backswings too quickly. And the, the major argument against a fast backswing is it's too difficult to change direction and accelerate forward through the cue ball and still be accurate. Well, actually, a, a quick backswing uh, takes you out of line and you have to re-grip your cue. So you're already in trouble. Absolutely. So what's next week's topic? Well, next week's topic, we're going to talk about what is the definition of a good stroke? What is the definition of a pendulum stroke? Oh, I like that. All right. So join us next week for the One Minute Pool Instructor. I'm Scott Lee. And I'm Randy G. We'll see you next time. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. I am your host, Mark Cantrell, and this is the Legends and Champions Report. Uh, this week is going to be a little bit shorter than my usual uh, uh, on-running rants uh, that run over time every, every week, it seems. And uh, got a couple of things to chat about. I'm going to start with the most obvious. And that is the Earl Strickland and Efren Reyes match. Um, at this point, it's not concluded, but Earl has won the first two sets on the 10-foot table. I, I'm not surprised, really. Efren is the, you know, Efren is Efren. We all know who he is, and we know that there's no um, easy way around Efren. But... The playing at Steinway Billiards, which is uh, Earl Strickland's room, the playing on the ten foot table that Earl loves, and I, I imagine plays on on a a very regular basis. So the odds are kind of stacked against Efren, and so it really doesn't surprise me that he's a ahead uh, at this point. So. I, We'll we'll see what happens tonight uh, with uh, with the remainder of the match. That's all I can say about that. I, I mean, I think it's it's I think Efren has done real well to stay as close as he has, considering what he's what he's up against the home crowd and uh, and Earl's own table and on a ten foot table. I'm not sure if Efren plays on a ten foot table very often. So we'll we'll we'll. Uh, We'll see what happens tonight. Uh, obviously, the next match coming up is Friday, and that is Darren Appleton against Dennis Okolo. And that, to me, is uh, a pick em. Darren's done very, very well the last few years. He's uh, snapping necks and cashing checks, as they say, and placing high and just about everything if not winning the, the thing so he he's doing uh real well and it obviously a fantastic player we there's and there's no way around that he's a fantastic player but we also know that dennis arcolo is no slouch 
uh, a, a real powerhouse. Uh, I know that he... Well, I know that any professional player, if they were real honest, when they look at the brackets and they see that they matched up next matches against Dennis Arcolo, he's got to put a little bit of a shudder uh, through their bones because although they're all professionals, they're all very good players and everybody, I guess, can beat anybody on any particular given day. You still don't want the odds stacked against you uh, in playing Dennis Arcolo. So... As far as a, a prediction, I'm sure that uh, tonight's um, TAR podcast will go into that and be speaking to both of them and get their insights on where they stand, and uh, we'll get a lot, a lot more information. So tune, be sure to uh, tune into the action report, and if you can't do it tonight, do it um, probably uh, tomorrow. I am... I'm going to guess that they, they usually uh, upload it to to YouTube, the podcast, so you'll be able to catch it tomorrow if you can't see it tonight. And and as the same with this show, I, I don't suggest anybody misses the Action Reports podcast tonight to, because our show is there, it's online, and you can listen to it anytime you want. And I'll be listening to the podcast to find out what is their feelings on the match. Personally, it's a pick 'em. I would not bet on either man, but if I had to, I'd have to go with Darren Appleton just because you know he's a, a friend of mine. We know each other, uh, work together, and so I'd have to, uh, you know, you got to get your your buddies back, I guess. But that would be the only reason I really wouldn't be confident in putting my money against either one of them. Um, I was. There's a couple of other challenge matches that are getting lined up here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Whether they're going to work out or not, I don't know. I received a message today from Scott Frost. And Scott and I have talked, you know, within the last year, that's for sure, or last few months, about doing the rematch with Efren Reyes and Scott Frost playing one pocket, race to eight. Now, you may or may not know this, but it has to be seven years ago, seven to eight years ago, I did Efren Reyes, Scott Frost at Colby's Corner Pocket in Tempe, Arizona. And that worked out way beyond my expectations because I didn't think anybody would watch One Pocket. But the place was packed. It was a good event. The DVDs, uh, we didn't do a pay-per-view. I, I don't think uh, that was so popular back then. But we recorded it. And uh, obviously the DVDs were sold. And so uh, I got a message uh, today from Scott saying, let's do just one more with me and Afrin. So the key has always been, you've got to make sure Efren's in town, uh, get the things set up. And so there's, there's some work to, for, to be done. And uh, I have a call into Scott. Uh, to have a chat with him about where, when, how, you know, how much uh, are we talking about as far as uh, prize fund? Because I've got to figure all those things out as well. So 
Uh, hopefully, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be working on it. Hopefully, I can get that done while Efren is in town. Not hundred percent sure if it can happen or not, but uh, we'll we'll give it a, a certainly give it a good shot. <laughs> then, also, I guess uh, Efren may be playing Bobby Emmons in Vegas while he's here. I heard that uh, on uh, the AZ Billions forums. So. Uh, that's another one that could be in the pipeline, and and maybe this. Is, I, I said this if you remember back, right before. Uh, sorry, right after the new year, and we did a show, and for trying to forecast what's next, what's going to happen in 2014, and one of the potentials were, is this the year of the challenge match? Well, if we look at what's happened so far this year, I, it could be. If it keeps carrying on along those patterns, then it's definitely a, 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 a chance that this year could be the year of the challenge matches. So we're going to have to see on that one as well. But I uh, really hope that uh, I can do the uh, rematch for Scott Frost. Um. Now, I, you know, I'm going to turn now into the travel channel a little bit. I, and uh, I, I don't know how to really begin. You know what? I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to be right back with the Legends and Champions Report. I am Mark Cantrell, your host on American Billiards Radio. The travel channel segment will be next. Hi, this is Keith McCready, and you are listening to American Billiard Radio. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is Mark Cantrell and the Legends and Champions Report. And it's been announced that the Moscone Cup for 2014 will be held in Blackpool, which is in Lancashire. Uh, Lancashire, there's Lancashire, Yorkshire, Staffordshire. They're all like, um, they're counties in England. Counties in England are different to counties in America. The counties are more like a state. In comparison, so Yorkshire and Lancashire are next to each other, and uh, they're separated by a group of uh, hills, mountains called the Pennines. And most people from Yorkshire, where I'm from, and Darren Appleton and Chris Mallon, go on their vacations as kids, their week vacation with their family to Blackpool. And Blackpool is the Las Vegas of England. No, there is no Wayne Newton, but there are some stars that, you know, as far as England goes, the British stars, some you may have heard of, some you may not have, that do their shows there, comedy shows, musicals, that kind of thing. Um... The strip right is right on the ocean, and 
you're gonna it's called the golden mile and it's just it's comparable to the las vegas strip instead of casinos they have amusement arcades now the amusement arcades pay out money so there's a lot of slot machines bingo uh there's a lot of things there uh that you you, you can enjoy there is a, a a smell about blackpool coming from the ocean Obviously, there's the ocean, there's the seafood smells, cotton candy smells. It's like a, a, a cross between the Las Vegas Strip and an amusement park that's on the ocean. It's going to be held uh, in Blackpool at Blackpool Tower. If you want to research Blackpool Tower, Blackpool Tower is, uh, it, it looks very much like the Eiffel Tower. And uh, it's going to be held there. Uh, I'm not sure if it's at the circus or in the Tower Ballroom. I would have thought the Tower Ballroom. But uh, if it's at the Blackpool Tower Circus, then uh, I'm sure they'll figure that out. It's a wonderful venue, especially in December. They have what they call the Illuminations. The Illuminations is where they put up... Look, Blackpool already has its fair share of lights and flashing lights and glitz and glamour and those kind of things. But they go all out. There are trams that carry you from one end of the Golden Mile, which is to be the uh, North Shore, all the way to the South Shore, where the Blackpool Pleasure Beach is, which is, uh, I believe, has the world's tallest roller coaster at this point. And I, I could I could be wrong on that, but at least it had it there. It was that tallest at one point. And uh, these trams that are on uh, like uh, almost like the cable cars in San Francisco, but bigger and a little more old-fashioned. And they have uh, they decorate them all in lights, and they look like a big fish, or they look like a boat that's going down, covered in lights. Uh, it absolutely fantastic experience and here's all i have to say to any american pool fan who's been considering going to see the moscone cup outside overseas that is and traveling to support the team this is the one to go to this is absolutely the one to go to you'll have a blast not just talking about how much fun you're going to have and how loud and rambunctious it will be at the actual event. It, the Moscone Cup is going to be the Moscone Cup, especially in the UK. You know, they're a little bit louder than we are and they show out in force and sing their songs and, and all those things. But aside from that, there is so much to do and it's a lot less expensive than uh, you know trying to go and enjoy yourself in Las Vegas. Uh, you, you will just have an absolute blast. That's my final thing for right now on this, uh, on Blackpool itself. If you have the opportunity and the funds to go, Blackpool 2014 Moscone Cup is going to be a blast you will never forget. So that's uh, that. But talking about the Moscone Cup, threads on Easy Billions. Um We've got Mark Wilson. Is Mark Wilson the messiah of the Moscone? 
I don't know, you know, I, I'm not privy to such information. But it's been put out there. A number of different people, I believe, have spoke about this. And I don't see any reason why he couldn't be the captain of the Moscone Cup for 2014. Um, former professional player, played in the Moscone Cup, and now spends his time uh, as a professional instructor and works at uh, university or Carl Lin is it Linwood? Uh, university and runs their pool and billiards program for them there and had great success doing it so i i don't i don't believe that mark wilson is needed in as as other people have said other people have said this on the internet on the easy billiards forum so i'm not on my own i don't believe that he's needed in the capacity of an instructor because let's face it look at you know, who would potentially be in the Moscone Cup. I'm not sure if they need any instruction. They may need some support. He may be able to give them some helpful tips. He may be able to correct a couple of issues that they have that they just don't see themselves. You know, that, that could happen. But maybe more for the, the long-term team building of the, the team itself. Now, it would be nice if we knew who the team was ahead of time. But we've got no... This, the team never seems to be picked uh, until, what, a month or so before the, the event? Before we actually get the final confirmation. Which doesn't give the players a whole lot of chance to, to become a team and unify with each other and get each other's backs. Uh, and, and that leads kind of to a little bit of, you know, what happened, you know, what happened last year, you know, uh, with the Moscone Cup. I think a, part, a big part of the team... I don't know what the correct word is. The team unification or team console, uh, solidarity um, is, I think it's a big part of it. And here's where the Europeans have the advantage over Team Europe. You only have to look at Facebook. And you can see on Facebook pictures in China, Europe, in the United States of... Darren Appleton, Chris Mellon, Nick Vandenberg, uh, Thorsten Holman, all out having dinner. They're at a tournament that they are playing against each other. But when the end of the day is up, they all go out, they have dinner, they talk about their families, they talk about fun, what's going on in their lives, have a little bit of a good time together. When one guy is playing, in a tournament, the others, for the most part, will show up and support them and sit there and give them some backup, clap for them, cheer for them. They do that all year long. So they don't even need to know who their team is a lot of the time because they're all already friends. They all already go around and hang out, have dinner with each other, know a lot about each other's lives and go out and do stuff together, play golf. So if five of the friends are picked out of 
15, then it doesn't matter. They've still got that relationship, that friendship, and that bonding that maybe that, that is part of what makes them more successful. Obviously, I'm not putting the whole team solidarity on them winning. They obviously have to have the talent and the discipline and, and take the chance to take their advantages when they can. But a lot of people have said that the team atmosphere and team bonding is a big piece of it. So if, if the Europeans are doing this all year long with each other, and the Americans, obviously a lot of them are friends with each other, but they don't do a lot of the things that the Europeans do. And so what they do is it's Moscone Cup time, they get there two days before the event starts, and they try to fit two days of bonding and team solidarity building into two days. That, that's and, and try and catch up from a year's worth that the, the European team already have. They'll go play tennis. Okay, they'll have breakfast together, they'll have dinner together and that kind of thing. But it does not and cannot possibly make up for the full year that the Europeans have all been doing it of their own free will. Nobody's making them do it. They're doing it of their own free will. So if we had the opportunity to know who the USA team was closer than a month out, I believe that that would really, really help. Because now at the tournaments, these players, whoever they are, can say, okay, you're on the team, you're on the team, I'm on the team. Let's support each other. And and when the other one's playing a match, go support them. Go out to dinner that night. Go play golf. Go bowling. Do whatever it is that you guys might just enjoy all doing together. And sit down and bullshit for a while. And maybe that would be the opportunity. Practice together. You're in the same places at the same times. Practice together. Get together and know each other. I think that's uh, the the way it, it, it could work. And uh, I've got no reason to think that Mark Wilson couldn't be instrumental in, in that. Um, I, 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 I can't say he's a bad pick. I've got no reason to say he's a bad pick. And I, but that's also, we don't know if he's even a pick at this point. But it's been put out there and a couple of people seem to be campaigning for uh, Mark Wilson to, to take the job. So we will only see what Matchroom have to say about that. And uh, hopefully with that, Mark Wilson can uh, somehow get them to pick the team sooner than a month away from the actual event. Uh, but how the team is going to be built, I don't know. And I'm surprised we're even talking at this point about next year's Moscone Cup. The last one just bloody ended. But I suppose if Matchroom were announcing um, the location and those kind of things. And, and from what I uh, read, Darren Appleton said that the tickets are going to be going on sale for next year. Oh, sorry, for next year. For this year already. So if that's the case, um, Matchroom are also making a build-up uh, towards making 2014's Moscone Cup 
an event to remember. So if again, if if you are an American and those tickets do go on sale in the next month or so, please give it a shot. You've got to go to Blackpool, man. You, you will never forget. Um, and that's I, I think I'm just about done. I did have um an interesting conversation the other day, and you know I can't say very much about it. It's not anything that's a, a real secret. But we've talked in the past about how to bring pool back, organize it, make it a special uh, sport, and more exposure. After this conversation, I don't think it's as hard as I thought it could be. There's a lot of work to it, don't get me wrong. There is a lot of work and a lot of detail involved, but it's not as hard as I thought it would be. And... It's a $100,000 plan. We're not talking about millions. We're talking about $100,000. With $100,000, I believe there is a plan that can bring pool back. It's not, um, it's all inclusive. All the current promoters would still be involved. Current organizations would still be involved. All it would do is enhance what is currently out there. And so if anybody's got $100,000 they want to uh, put towards a good pool, I, uh, I think I can uh, explain the plan to you fairly well. And uh, again, wouldn't be easy to do, but it'd be a lot of hard work, but it can definitely be done a lot easier than I thought and a lot less expensive than I thought. So if you've got hundred grand, give me a call. Uh, send me an email to kentrillmark at yahoo.com and that's all I have time for I a little shorter hope I've given you some information uh, this uh, this episode that uh, will help you make your mind up whether it be about uh, Moscone Cup I'll give you something to think about or uh, uh, making that trip overseas uh, next December I believe it starts on the 1st and that's all I have for now thank you for joining me I appreciate you listening. I appreciate all the emails and the uh, texts and messages on AZ Billiards that I have received from last week. Uh, I guess everybody enjoyed Keith McCready. So um, I appreciate all the kind words. Keep them coming. Keeps me uh, motivated. And I will see you next week. This is Mark Kentrell, the Legends and Champions Report on American Billiards Radio. See you next time, guys. Welcome to another edition of the Go Play Pool app featured room of the week on American Billiard Radio, where we talk to the room owners of the best rooms in the country. Today, I am talking to Manny Stematakis down at Farmy Billiards in Astoria, New York. How are you, Manny? Good, good. Had a busy week this weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, for anyone that hasn't been lucky enough to go in there, tell us a little bit about Steinway Billiards. We got a Monday and Wednesday tournament hosted by Finnegan. He runs the Predators over with Tony Robles. Monday's Handicap Tournament, and uh, Wednesday's an Open Tournament. And we host a lot of Predator Tournaments. And uh, we also did the World Straight Bull last year, and it looks like we're going to have it this year. Right. And uh, Earl Strickland is the house pro, so he's there every day, so you can you catch him there every day. And uh, Jason Shaw as well. How, how does it feel to have Earl Strickland as your house pro? Uh, I love him. 
I love him. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> he's, uh, he's just the spark of pool. That's it. There's no spark like him. I mean, I love all the guys, you know. I met almost all of them. Samante, great guy, all of them. They're all good, but he, they don't have the fire that Earl brings to the, to the, to the <laughs> yeah. performance. That's it. I, I've, I've had the pleasure of, of seeing him for a few times now and, and meeting him in person. Definitely. He, he just he definitely has the personality of the game. <laughs> he, makes, he makes the sport entertaining. That's what's so beautiful definitely. about him. Definitely, yeah. You know, he might, you know, he says a couple of bad things here and there, but everyone he only, does, he only He only says what we're all thinking, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, you know, you have John McEnroe. John McEnroe used to go nuts, but everyone right. loved him. So. <laughs> all right. So um, do you guys do any leagues or anything? Well, Tony's starting his league now in February. It's uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, the NAPL. We got the Mega Bucks League on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So it's it's pretty packed almost every day. You know, it's 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 good. You know, a lot of pool players. You know, so we have a lot of good players. And I think personally, the best amateur players in the country. So. Great. Any any other amenities you guys have? You know, strictly pool, bar? full bar, full kitchen, ping pong. Uh, you know, you can watch all the sports there. It's like. 20 plus TVs in there. Wow. So you guys, you guys have the Denver game on. Oh. <laughs> the what? The Denver, Denver game. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty fun tonight. <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah. with the tournament and everything. Mike DeShane was there today. Yeah. All right. So if you could use three words to describe Steinway Billiards, what would you say? Great food, awesome pool, and uh, exciting. All right, that works. What is your favorite item on your menu? My favorite. I like everything, but what everyone loves and everyone eats is the chicken salad. Chicken salad? The Greek chicken salad. The Greek grilled chicken salad. That's what everyone eats. All right. Jason Shaw's favorite. Mika Eminen's favorite. That's what we're known for. I like a good salad, so great chicken salad it is when I when I make it to sign my billiards. All right. <laughs> All right. Who do we get a hold of if we want to come down there for lessons? All you got to do is call the pool room. Basically, if you want to get a lesson with Earl or anything, I take down your name. You just come in when it is, you know, no money over the phone or nothing, and just come there and deal with Earl. All right. My Earl. Uh, and it could be a lesson in the making just trying to get a lesson right yes definitely they're all they're all happy (laughs) he's he's he's, trust me everyone thinks he's he's a bad person and everything but off the table he's the nicest person you know the nicest pool player out there I the, the first table. time that I the first time that I actually physically met him, he was standing outside of the Riviera and he came up and he gave me a hug and he took a picture with me and then he stood there for like fifteen minutes and he just told jokes and made everybody laugh. And honestly from there I was like, How can anyone have a bad impression of this guy? I was like, I don't know what everybody's talking about, but from what I've seen, you know, I I I don't mind the guy. It's just it's just on the table that he is he don't want to lose. That's it. He don't care if he's playing a five year old. He don't care if he's playing his own mother. He don't want to lose. 
when I when I play pool, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of the same way. I, all right, Manny. Well, um, I thank you for for taking the time out of your day to talk to me and everything, and tell us about Steinway. And I can't wait to come out there. So, for all of you that haven't had the chance or are looking forward to going to Steinway Billiards, you can actually get a look at a limited profile of theirs on the Go Play Pool app. And um, if you don't have the app, it's free to download on Android and iOS. If you would like to be featured as a room, then get a hold of us, info at goplaypool.com. And, again, Manny, I thank you for joining us. Thank you. Have a great night. All right. Thanks, Manny. You too. Thanks again for joining us on American Billiards Radio, and we hope you'll join us next time for another Go Play Pool app featured room of the week. We'll see you then. week's edition of Pool on the Grind here on AmericanBilliardRadio.com. I'm your host, Allison Fisher of NYCGrind.com. Along with me is Jerry T., NYC Grind founder and creative director. And we're coming to you from Steinway Billiards in Astoria, Queens, in New York City. Hello, everyone. How are you doing this evening, JT? Doing great, doing great. A lot of great pool, a lot of excitement. So, yeah, I'm just taking it all in. And for those of you that... Um, are unaware, we have just completed the second day of Efren Reyes versus Earl Strickland here at Steinway, which has made for some very exciting times. And this has just finished up the second night, which was the nine ball set. And Earl has now won two of the three sets coming away with a 21-17 win in nine ball. And last night was the eight ball set, which he won 17-11. So let's talk a little bit about how you thought um, Earl played overall and how the matches went in your perspective, JT. Yeah, well, overall, you know, Tuesday night was the eight ball. Tonight was the nine ball. And um, I'm impressed by both players. Both players are playing great. Overall, play really world-class speed. Earl Strickland right now is just on a different level. Um, coming into this set, I thought it was going to be very, very evenly matched up. Because both players are playing great. They have been playing great. Earl's been, um, in my opinion, playing better as time goes on, especially over the last few years. He's stepping it up. And... You know, Efren has been very impressive the last few times I've had an opportunity to watch him play, um, especially in the U.S. Open Nine Bowl Championships last year when, I, I don't know, I think he came in fifth or sixth. He was really amazing. So, I mean, I have a great deal of respect for both players. I have had a great deal of respect for both players coming into this match and then having an opportunity to watch these two champions battle it out it's similar to I guess like the Roman times when they had the Colosseum and two of the greatest warriors of all time um, are are you know battling in front of the world to see so it's really impressive that both players are playing great but in my opinion I believe Earl right now is playing just a little bit better than Ephraim and it's showing it uh, Earl's winning two games to zero uh, eight ball 
nine ball and ten balls next. What were the final scores in both sets? Um, you know, an eight ball and a nine ball, Allison? Well, tonight in the nine ball, Earl won 21 to 17. And last night, it was 17 to 11. So in reality, we're now in Thursday, Thursday morning, and tonight is going to be the final set playing 10 ball. So I'm sure one of the great things about this matchup is that people, the fans and the players have really come out of the woodwork to support these two players and to see, see what they've got. And you can tell even now at around 2 a.m. here, the room is pretty much full. There's a ton of action. I'm sure you can hear in the background some of the, uh, some of the players. So we're really fortunate to have such a supportive and awesome community of uh, both, both players and fans and, of course, the, the staff and the ownership here at Steinway have been awesome, absolutely awesome, to put on such events. No, definitely. I mean, I don't know how many players or people came in today, um, but it was really impressive. I don't know if it was three or 400 people. I don't know what the capacity is, but let me tell you, you couldn't walk. You couldn't walk. You couldn't get through. Um, there were a couple of rows of people in order to be able to see. Uh, you know, all the seating was full, and I mean, really, it was rocking here. And I love to see it. I mean, I'm from Queens, and this is Queens uh, here in Astoria. I mean, some people aren't really sure where Astoria is in New York, and you know, it's not right in Manhattan. It's right outside of Manhattan, one of the five boroughs, Queens. And you know, I grew up in Queens, so for me um, to be able to be part of an evening where it's been busier than any other event in Queens in like in its history. I've never seen pool this hot in Queens in my entire life. I've never seen so many people in the pool room um, for an exhibition in my entire life. So I'm excited and I love to see that people are enjoying it and appreciating the game of pool. And one of the interesting things is that I know for a fact that there are players, uh, I shouldn't say players, but people that are interested in pool who came out who are not in the scene, so to speak, which is really awesome that some new outside people. I, I talked to a um, talked to a guy who came to watch the match who did a Google search for Steinway Billiards and it took them to nycgrind.com and that's how we ended up coming to see the match. How awesome is that? I mean, I'm still blown away by technology, the impact of the Internet, and, you know, ever-increasing broadband speeds. And, you know, that's a follow-up from the previous weeks where we've talked about what we're excited about, what, why we're optimistic. But, you know, it's not just hype. We've been talking about the last few weeks, and every week we're just more excited because more and more is happening. And um, I believe that we're, I mean, it's a good bet that, pool will continue to grow. I mean, that's just, that's how I'm calling it. I'm very bullish on the billiards industry. I believe there's a lot of potential. And, uh, I mean, I'm seeing it right now. People are loving pool. There's an insatiable appetite for it. And uh, especially the way things are being put together right now, I believe that there's a winning strategy, there's a winning approach, and just a matter of time. 
before things break through to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And so coming up tonight, Thursday, January 16th, it's going to be the 10 ball set here at Steinway. So for those of you who aren't able to make it in person, there is a live stream on InsidePool.tv. It's a co-produced stream between NYC Grind and InsidePool. So you can check that out on pay-per-view starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, also check out nycgrind.com. We're going to be having coverage and our upcoming super news videos following up the events. So it should be pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to be part of this program. Uh, we appreciate American Billy Radio for everything they're doing. And, you know, really for everyone who's doing their part to contribute to this industry, as well as just take the time to learn about the industry and just the game of pool that we all love. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And I uh, hope you guys have a great night. And, you know, I uh, hope to see you all on the stream. If you guys have the availability and the time, and if not, it's cool too. Just uh, be sure to catch up on the coverage on nycgrind.com when you have a chance. I appreciate everything. It's been a pleasure. And, um, yeah, talk to you soon. All right. Well, also recently here at um, Steinway Billiards, we had the tour opener for the Predator Pro-Am Tour. It's the seventh season running. Uh, Tony Robles is the owner and founder of the tour. So we're going to take a quick break, and then Jerry T. is going to be joined by Tony Robles following his win at the Predator Tour season opener, which was uh, on Sunday, January 13th. So thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in, and enjoy the rest of the show. JT here with Tony Robles. Uh, Tony, congratulations on your win. Thank you, JT. I appreciate that. It was a hard-fought victory, and uh, I'm, I'm happy it's over. Awesome. So this is the first event of your season. Um, you've done a lot of new things this year, specifically one with uh, the format, who plays who. Can you just talk a little bit about that, how you've changed? Well, what happened is last season, as I spoke to you earlier, last season, we noticed a big drop in numbers of the lower class players. So uh, Gail and I started thinking, along with Finnegan, and we figured, why not let the B players play with uh, C and Ds, and then the B plus and above play against you know the A's and A pluses. And then we had a, also had a drop in players that were moved to an open, but they really weren't playing open speed. So we just simply changed the format and went back to a split chart. As soon as we came, uh, everyone heard yeah. about that, I never got so many voicemails, text messages, or emails uh, about people that wanted to join the, the tour this year. And it, it, it shows, you know, now that we got 105, and it's in the rep record book, so we're, we're pretty happy with the number. 105 just in the amateur alone, right? Just in the amateur alone. Wow. So we brought back the final 24, yeah. and then uh, had 26 in the Open Pro uh, this Sunday. 
That's cool. So, so it was a total of 131 players, which is pretty awesome. All right, awesome. Well, last question. What are you most excited about, about you know, relating to the Predator Pro-Am Tour this year? Um, I think what I'm most excited about is that um, the tour is growing. Uh, you know, I'm now starting to get people from out of state to contact me about uh, 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 running a tour stop at that at the room. Um, from what I understand, I'm supposed to hear from someone in Maryland who has a big room that wants to have one. Uh, we're going to Connecticut to have a tour stop there. Uh, for, the the place. for the first time. For the first time. Well, I, I went to Connecticut years ago in Stanford. Oh, Rock and Roll. Yeah, Rock and That's Roll. That's right. Then I forgot about started. that. Yeah. I forgot about that. And then um, we're also going to go for the second year in a row to Snookers. Mm. And boy, do I love that place. One of the greatest pool rooms, I think, in the history of the game of pool. And so we're, we're excited, but more than anything, um, what a lot of people don't know is many years ago, and I don't even know if you can find this online, many, many years ago, like in the 70s, they used to have this huge, huge championship called the Eastern States Championship. It was like the most prestigious tournament you can win next to the U.S. Open. And Mike Zuglin won it once or twice. And this was when Mike Zuglin was Mike Zuglin. I, I consider Mike Zuglin one of the greatest players that people didn't know about mm -hmm. because there were a lot of people who didn't know how great he was. And when they had this this championship, everyone played. It was like a U.S. Open. Mike Siegel, Buddy Horner, everyone played. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're, that's where our intention is with the Snookers this year. Mm -hmm. We're gonna revive the Eastern States Championship. So even though it says first annual, it's been done before, but I guess this is a new version. That's why we're calling it the first annual. Cool, Tony. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. And I know it's late. We just finished wrapping up the first event. You're number one in the points tour, right, for the season? Yeah, number already, one. already. All right. Player well, of the year, six years in Good luck for the season. Thank you very much. Thanks, and uh, I appreciate your hard work, too, yeah. you and Addison. Man. We'll see you at the next event.